1: To be in Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 31. And the last time the message was titled "Is it it in capital letters worth eternity?" Sadly, humans allow so many things to get in the way of a pursuit of God, getting to know God, understanding God, a relationship with God. So it fill in the blank, right? Like in algebra, find the X. I used to like algebra, one of those strange people. Uh, But you can put anything in there. And there are things that are innocuous, they're harmless, they're even good. But if we put them in front of God, then they become problematic, especially if it stops you from searching for the things of God. So, um, I made a statement. Somebody asked me to repeat it, so I will repeat it. And it goes like this. Do your... Possessions and pursuits possess you, or do you possess your possessions and pursuits? And there's a huge difference between the two of them. Uh, Today the message is titled, right, to truly understand or to truly see, better yet, and do we see Jesus for who He is? So when we look at the followers in the crowd, people follow Jesus for various reasons, Uh, however, it's a crowd. So some people just came and maybe rolled out of bed and said, I hurt my knee this morning. I hear that Jesus heals people. So I'm going to go and get my knee healed, which he would be more than happy to do. Some went for a free meal, but some, as we'll see Bartimaeus actually cried out to Jesus because check this out. Even a blind man could see that Jesus was Lord without his sight. We're going to cover that. And we're going to look at that in four parts. So jumping in, verse 31, it says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them. So, you know, I I like details. I like the dynamics of what's going on. There's the crowd. He would sometimes do a public teaching. He would sometimes take his twelve aside and tell them a little bit more or those that truly were interested in learning more things. So, he took them aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. Yay! Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and he's going to conquer the Romans. And that's what a lot of people were thinking. And all things, of course, that's not in the scripture, I added that. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Sounds good so far. For he, speaking of himself, will be delivered to the Gentiles, and, they, and he will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. So one out of four is hard to swallow, irony, a few verses. And again, you have to take these books in totality chapter delineations came centuries later so this is one contiguous continuous thought okay wasn't that long ago that Peter and we see James and John do this too and some of the other disciples basically ask well we're following you what do we get out of it you know what's in it for us they were humans it took a while for them to understand what Jesus was trying to do the answer is hey great things especially in eternity and here But, Jesus says, now I'm going to go to the cross and horrible things are going to happen. So how do you reconcile both? Well, the truth is that sometimes we experience hard things following God. Remember, Jesus said, follow me and take up your cross. And they didn't fully understand that. And Christians today, a lot of Christians today don't fully understand that. Sometimes the attitude in American Christianity is, I want everything I can get in the world, and I want everything I can get from God. Okay, but the closer you get to God, sometimes there's sacrifices that have to be made here. Not everybody understands that. Verse 31, he said it was written or foretold by the prophets. So we're speaking about centuries, uh, depending on the scripture, a millennium prior to that happening. Remember, the United States isn't even a millennium old yet. Okay, so you're talking about things that were written in great detail including the physical abuse of the suffering servant Messiah, a thousand years before it actually took place. How do I know Jesus is the Messiah? Because prophecy. You don't find this in any other religion. You don't. Show me. Actually, many religions have made prophecies that have not come to pass. And God said, I'm God. He said, in the Old Testament, everything that I say will come to pass. hundred percent accuracy. So, Prophecy is the proof or the seal of authenticity. Verses 32 to 33, much of this is chronicled in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. If you haven't read those chapters, very powerful, very detailed, very long. Now, I had a little fun with this, is people, whatever, you you look at another group, and nobody should do this and say, oh, they believe this. Well, no group is a monolith. So today, some say, well, if you're Jewish, you can't believe in Jesus. Well, there's a few dozen Jewish people in this church that believe in Jesus as the Messiah. There's kind of sort of three camps, and there's more camps when you go into the different sects of Judaism. They, they Oftentimes, they believe different things. So, the one camp is the Messiah Ben-Joseph, well, let me back up, Messiah Ben-David camp, which says, we will only believe in the Messiah who's a physical conqueror. Now. Scriptures talk about the physical conquering, but Jesus said the first time, it's going to be in peace, sacrifice for our sins. When He returns, there's going to be a physical conquering. So, Messiah ben David. Second group is Messiah ben Joseph. You may meet Jewish people today who haven't maybe read about Jesus yet, but they say, oh yeah, we believe in a peaceful Messiah. Well, that's great, because their understanding of the Scripture can prepare them to receive jesus and the way he came and then of course you have your millions over the two millennia uh, messianic jewish people who on the early onset believe that yeshua is the messiah so it's pretty neat when you kind of look at this stuff i love just learning about others right verse 33 he said jesus said on the third day he would rise again now I don't understand how someone can say, well, I am a Christian, but I go to a church that doesn't believe in the resurrection. First of all, Jesus said he would be crucified and the reason for it, and that he would rise again. So, either if Jesus didn't, was not resurrected, it would make him powerless, which is a real problem theologically, but it would also, at worst, make him a liar or a false messiah for not, for not rising. So, we must believe in the resurrection if we're going to believe in a pure version of Christianity. Verse 34, it says, They understood none of these things, not just the crowd, but the disciples. Now, let's, let, let's try to put ourselves in their shoes. They might be thinking, how could our Messiah... Imagine hanging out with Jesus. That must have been, every day must have been exciting. It must have been Amazing. How could a Messiah walk on water, calm storms, raise the dead, heal the sick, read our thoughts, cast out demons, have a transfigured body, every time they try to catch him, he escaped the rest, but now he's crucified. How does that happen? Right? There are two mutually exclusive understandings here. Number one is that Christ's supernatural power guy's God the Son, and at the same time, he's overcome and arrested. They're mutually exclusive, unless It's willing. Right? What did Jesus say? Nobody takes my life. I give it willingly. And it wasn't until the resurrection that everybody started to get it. So we can say, hey, you know, we, we've had 2,000 years of studying the Bible. For us, this is easy. But for them, they were living in it. They were living in the storm. Right? They had to come out the other side to look back and say, okay, it makes sense now. Right? We get it. So um, neat stuff in Mark 10 Mark ten has a little bit of a different nuance. I mean he tells the same story, but Mark adds something. This is this is key. Mark tells us that Jesus is I'm just I'm just attention to detail, I just can't help it. He tells us that Jesus' followers were number one amazed. Well we can all understand that. We're amazed and we weren't even there. But two, that his followers were also afraid. Think about it, digest that for a moment. That's powerful right? I mean, every day was a new thing. And now Jesus is saying it's all going to come to an abrupt halt. So they were amazed, but they were afraid at the same time. And if we consider following the Lord, there may be some things that cause a little trepidation, especially as a new believer. You're navigating this new life of the Spirit. You know, well, I know I cut corners before, and I know I did a little bit of this and that, and nobody really got hurt, but now I'm a believer. How's this going to work for me if I don't do the same thing I did back then? And there's a little trepidation that comes with that, and that's okay. You might love the Lord, and your life isn't perfect, and that's okay. You may love the Lord, your life isn't perfect, and neither are you. And that's okay, right? You're in good company, Jesus said in John 16:33, In this world, you're going to have these trials, these tribulations. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. I've overcome the world. Good stuff. So 35, we continue. Then it happened as he, Jesus, was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Two out of four is the healing of the blind. So let's cover, I don't do this often, but I do it enough, because we live in a culture of competing philosophies. The Bible talked about that two thousand years ago, all the philosophies that come and go, and you know, a new philosophy comes in twenty twenty-three. Ooh, yeah, this is new and exciting. Yeah, we're gonna we no one's gonna believe in Christianity anymore because this is the new philosophy. But this has been going on for thousands of years, folks. So I'm going to help you with a little bit of apologetics, right? And some Christians come to me, they're timid. Maybe they're social strata, maybe they're peers, maybe they intimidate them. Oh, you still believe in the Bible? Let's talk about this for a minute. This is going to be fun. In Luke and Mark's Gospel, Jesus comes to Jericho. In Matthew 20, Jesus is leaving Jericho. I love painting myself into a corner. Discrepancy? No. Did you know there were two Jerichos? (laughs) There was ancient Jericho, which by the first century was largely uninhabited. Then Herod the Great built the new Jericho. So it's perspective. If you're a um, sentimental type of person, you're going to speak about the old Jericho. If you're saying, well, everybody knows that this is the Jericho, you may speak about the new Jericho, so nobody gets lost. Now, I know I have a lot of people from New York around here. This isn't the Jericho turnpike in New York, okay? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Jericho, which is uh, northeast of Jerusalem right and you would literally Jesus would if he was descending southwest he would go through one Jericho and did you know that they were within a mile of each other you could see the other Jericho from where you were standing so he would be leaving the Jericho and entering another Jericho and the gospel writers wrote it based on their perspective now Mark and Luke only speak of Bartimaeus Matthew Matthew tells us of another blind man. There were two of them. Only Mark tells us that the main blind man's name is Bartimaeus. Is there a discrepancy? No. I want to go through this with you. There's actually a whole book. It was written by, obviously, a theologian that said Apparent Bible Discrepancies. That's the title. I have it. It's a phenomenal book. He's like, listen, quick study of archaeology history and some other things will tell you that they all were right. Now, I'm going to kind of do, do the last part here with the uh, investigative method. So let's look at this. Nuances versus collusion. Okay. These are two mutually exclusive thoughts. So nuances, or some people, Bible detractors, will say discrepancies. So that's in the one category. In the other category is collusion. Oh, they all got together and they all wrote stuff and they were trying to deceive the people the masses well that didn't work out well because there was a mass slaughter of christians what did that accomplish so by the roman government so the collusion theory doesn't work if you're telling me that you see discrepancies or nuances because collusion is a carbon copy right so how do we express the because that so we scratch that check that off it's when people say that all you have to do is ask them some questions and show me where the collusion is There's nothing as a carbon copy of anything else. The nuances or the discrepancy theory is something I'd like to hone in on, using our system in the United States of American jurisprudence, which our court systems have their flaws, but it's one of the best systems in the world over monarchies and dictatorships and things like that. So here, Pastor Joe's going to, most of you know I used to be a police officer, I'm going to put on my police hat, And I'm going to go through the investigative method. So, I spent time in the detective bureau, I did this for 25 years, I was a training officer. I was on patrol, but I I spent some time in the detective bureau, let me correct that. I was a training officer, taught young officers how to write reports and how to investigate and stuff like that. So, Officer Joe goes to a burglary, and I see the guy climbing out the window give me with a pillow sack and the valuables in it. I catch him, I handcuff him, I search him, put him in the car. I have three backup officers. One's a detective. His job is to process the scene, right? Take fingerprints, go through the scene, uh, take pictures, do whatever he has to do. Two other officers. One officer sees, finds out that there was a witness. He actually interviews the witness, gets that information, puts in a report. The last officer goes door to door to the neighbors close by, and he asks how many of them have video cameras, and can he get some of that footage to process it and put in the report. So all four of us are writing a report on burglary. And if we go and give it to the sergeant, and it says the same exact thing, and we have different signatures, heads are going to roll. <laughs> Sergeant's going to look at it and go, don't give me this garbage. You write from your perspective. You write from your, pers- This is, this is dumb. It's not going to pass muster with the prosecutors. It's not going to pass muster with the judges, and it's not going to pass muster with uniform crime reporting with the FBI and the Department of Justice. So, we have a big problem with collusion. So, you don't do that because it's it's dumb, it doesn't make sense i'm going to write specifically about mr smith who i arrested processing him any excited utterances my main focus is going to be him the other three officers are going to focus on three other different things so we're all writing the same report on burglary but each report is from each different officer's perspective and purview that's the way it works here and you still the higher education some of these academics There's such juvenile attacks on the Word when we use this same system that the disciples use, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In this case, John did not record this. He chose to record other things. Um, Why would you attack them when they're doing the same thing that would pass muster in a court of law in the United States in 2023? Right? Now, I saw a speaker uh, last Sunday who spoke about the scientific method, there's the investigative method, there's all these methods that the Bible comes out with flying colors. Amen? So if you have a question, Pastor Joe, you know, I'm in, and this is big in the colleges now, to attack the veracity of the Bible, deconstruction for various reasons. Okay, well let's talk about it. Let me give you some information, and your professor can look it up, but I always say don't push too hard. Because some of these professors are vindictive, and you'll get a D or an F. So, you know, walk the line. Tell the truth, but don't be obnoxious about it. So, interesting stuff. Um, and that's just, when I started reading this as a, a young police officer, I'm like, wow, this is really, this is really, really good stuff. So verses uh, 37 through 38, it says, Those aiding the blind men told Bartimaeus that Jesus was passing by, what does Bartimaeus do? He immediately calls out to Jesus for help. And that's what you do when you're in a desperate situation. And he was blind. He was blind. Verse 39, those around him try to keep him quiet. Right? Jesus is passing by. We want to hear what he has to say. But Bartimaeus, he can't keep quiet. He does not want Jesus to pass by without the opportunity of his sight being restored. No embarrassment, no embarrassment, He needed and he wanted Jesus. I wonder sometimes in American culture that some, in the Christian culture, that some are too passive and too timid about their faith in Christ. Now listen, I'm just going to say this for the record. Obnoxious, in your face, Christianity, I believe wins very few people. I don't think it's necessary. It's not how Jesus did it. But at the same time, you've got all these competing philosophies, especially in our culture. Marxism, globalism, radical climatism and they are more excited sometimes about their false religion than some christians are for the truth well i'd I'd like to tell you about jesus but i don't really want to raise my voice because somebody might get triggered and jesus doesn't offend anybody and and he's very sweet and touchy and cuddly and stop (laughs) jesus is the lord of all jesus is the answer you know we need to believe in what we're saying and if we don't believe it we need to do more research on it and and pray more about it. He is the answer to everything that's going wrong in our culture today. And it says that when they try to keep Bartimaeus quiet, he cried out all the more. Now in Greek, when you translate this, it it means his cry wasn't a boohoo sob. His cry was the instinctive cry of an ungovernable emotion. Do you ever have an ungovernable emotion? You ever have an experience where your kid gets something stuck in their throat and you scream? And you carry on and you say, somebody help me, does anybody know how to do the Heimlich maneuver? That's an ungovernable emotion. Because you are experiencing despair. And it's, it's going down quickly. And you need somebody to help you out out of that situation. And that's what this guy's cry was. They could have jumped on him, they could have tried to duct tape him, and it wouldn't matter. He would still find a way to scream, Jesus, I need you. I'm begging you. Don't pass me by. And folks, I think it doesn't matter how long we've been Christians. We should still have that fire in our heart for Jesus Christ. He is God the Son. Right? It isn't a philosophy that comes and goes. I studied a lot of philosophies in college and when I was younger. This is something that when it took root, it never left. Because it's the truth. All the other philosophies, the Apostle Paul says, are vain philosophies by men. And women, they make stuff up. And in ten years, you're going to forget about it. Okay? But this is the truth. The foundation is here. Verse 40, Jesus stood still, and He commands the blind man to be brought to Him. Think about this, folks. There's a crowd. There's noise. There's, you ever been in a crowd? You ever been to a concert? Right? A lot of noise, and people are talking, and the performers are performing. Who's going to hear one guy screaming? You just tune him out because there's so much going on. There's a commotion. The blind man isn't close, but Jesus stopped for that one seemingly insignificant person. And when you study the scripture and you study the surroundings and you study the setting, it becomes all the more powerful. You know, back then, and it's sad because there's superstitions today too, and there's religious superstitions. Back then, there were two things that people believed. Number one, if you were rich and healthy, sounds like the prosperity gospel, God blessed you. That may not be the case. The rich young ruler walked away from Jesus because all of his stuff were keeping him from, from salvation, from eternity. The other thought, is it's even worse, it's a double damnation, is that if you were poor and disabled, God was punishing you or God forgot you. Let me make this clear. That is not true. Not true. But Jesus stops everything for Bartimaeus and the other blind man that's with him. You ever do a study on how many people are on the planet? 7.8, 7.9 billion people on planet Earth. That's an unfathomable fathomable fathomable, easy for me to say, number. However, God hears every individual prayer. He hears every quiet whimper. He sees every tear that falls down our face. He sees every step that we take, will take, or have ever taken in our lives. I get a kick out of my iPhone when I'm busy. I see how many steps. Oh, I did 13,000 steps today. That phone has nothing on what God has recorded since I've been an infant. Right? So, you, you have to take that and you have to hide that in your heart to pursue God. Don't stop. Call out to Him. Bartimaeus did. And they couldn't shut the man up. Verse 40. Jesus says... <laughs> He says, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked that question because he didn't know. No, not true. Jesus oftentimes, three, what kind of question is that? He often would ask these questions to get the person he was dealing with to think, to search their own heart, their own emotion, their own will, to find out what's going on inside. Right? It's a deep question. You know, let me cl- clear something up. The, there was a portion in John's Gospel where the disciples, who knows how many blind people Jesus healed, but there was a man who was born blind. This, it looks like it says that they have to regain their sight, so maybe he wasn't born blind, but the disciples said, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God would be revealed through him. So, you know again it 's that old superstition that Jesus had to dispel, however, theologically, we all suffer with something right We suffer as we get older, we suffer with you know diseases, we suffer with all kinds of things blindness, deafness uh, death right and that is a result of sin entering the human race so i 'm not going to say that sin caused the blindness, I'm not saying that directly but indirectly. Everything we suffer is a result of the fall of our first federal head human parents So if we could make analogies here with this man is that Jesus could ask any one of us any of these questions. What do you want me to do for you? What do You want me to do for you? Or have you really thought this one through? Right could be blindness could be deafness could be salvation it could be living a life of sin and just getting tired with yourself and saying, I need to change a pace. Right? What is the dysfunction? The dysfunction could be self-reliance, self-righteousness. I was guilty of that early on in my walk with the Lord. And the Lord had to show me. You know? And what happens is, He asked the question because we get used to it, don't we? We get used to the dysfunction. We get used to the ailment. And it's a strange... Uh, behavior behavioral concept is that some are in something so long that the thought of change gives them a little anxiety doesn't it right me coming to christ i knew for months when the pastor was preaching and the altar call came up i would start to start to get uncomfortable deep down inside i was so used to my dysfunction and my sin that I knew I should go up there and receive receive Christ, but I still fought with it. Some of you are smiling because you've been through the same thing. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? That's a question we all need to answer. And why? Bartimaeus called Jesus Lord. Uncommon. Never met Jesus before. Probably never had a discussion with him. He calls him Lord, which was an uncommon way to address another. This man intuitively, spiritually, knew Jesus was greater than a man and he was blind. We're going to explore this ocular sight versus spiritual sight. This man, this blind man, had more understanding than the majority of the crowd that could see. There are people today who are so overeducated. I think it's, something, it's the expression, right? In American culture, they're in an ivory tower. They're so overeducated, they're so accomplished that there's a lack of common sense and there's a lack of investigative skills because it's just all they've known. And that also, right, puts the person at a disadvantage because they're spiritually blind if they don't believe Jesus is who he says he is. Remember the rich young ruler, right? Back, he walked away dejected because Jesus told him that his uh, possessions were an idol and he had to get rid of them. Not for everybody, but for him specifically, and some others. The rich young ruler had sight, he had riches, he had authority, he had youth. He had everything that you could want back then and today. But he had nothing, eternally. This Bartimaeus was blind, poor, helpless, but now had Jesus, so he had everything. You put the rich young ruler here, And blind Bartimaeus here, and you say to the crowds, Who do you want to be like? I'm going to point to this guy, rich young ruler. God sees something special about Bartimaeus. This is powerful stuff. Even the religious leaders, Jesus called them blind guides, guides that were blind spiritually. They couldn't see, they had become so corrupted over time. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the Apostle Paul tells us that Satan, the god of this age, has blinded many from seeing spiritually the Gospel. And I'm afraid that's where we are in American culture. So many blind people, but so smart. So smart. So many degrees. But they don't have the spiritual sight. Point of interest If you've read, and this is a true statement, is that if somebody is blind or deaf, and this is true, it's how the brain works. It's part of the neuroplasticity model. You lose your eyesight, your hearing, your sense of touch, your sense of, um, you know, different senses become more heightened to help you navigate this life. You lose a sense, right? You lose your hearing. Your eyes are trained now to read lips because you need somebody to communicate with you. So, when somebody loses one of those senses, the other ones seem to to work into hyperdrive to help them out. But let me just say this, that sometimes blind people, back then and today, can have greater insight to character than those who can see. Think about American culture. Bartimaeus, if he was here today, what would he not be blinded by? He wouldn't be blinded by celebrityism. In American culture, what's celebrityism? What are cameras? What are lights? What is jewelry? He wouldn't be blinded by prejudice. People that are different than than him. He wouldn't be blinded by fashion and beauty or perceived beauty. Right? It's in the eye of the beholder and other distractions that can get in the way. I'm going to tell you a sad. Uh, I don't think it happens that much, but I have read select stories about this. So we're talking about blind, right, and then getting sight, we're talking about spiritual blindness. There have been true accounts of one or two spouses that have been blind. Now, the eye is a very complex organ. You know, you have so many things in that organ that all work at the same time. Sometimes, modern science can develop a cure so a person can see. Married couples, it's not common, but it's tragic where one of the couples, one of the spouses regains their sight. They wake up in the oper- in the recovery room, and they, can, they look at a person, don't know who that person is because is they've never seen them. But when the person opens their mouth, they realize, oh, that's my spouse because they're used to this, right? You know where I'm going with this. On rare occasions, a person has regained their sight, has seen their spouse, and left them. Because that spouse is no longer pleasing to their eyes. What a tragedy. That person is with you. They helped you get up the stairs. They helped you with your checkbook. They helped you get around in the world, buying the groceries, getting you to social events, and you leave them. Because now that you've got your sight back, you're being deceived. Amen? This is powerful stuff here. The metaphors and the the parallels here. Um... You know, I, I shared, we, we were talking to the 9, 10, and 11-year-olds. I, I love that classroom. Um, the last Sunday of every month, I go down there and I teach them. And I forget why we were on the topic, but this particular verse, Isaiah 53, 2, it said that before Jesus came, right? Many years before, it said Jesus would have no form or comeliness, and when we see Him, there's no beauty that we desire Him. Wait a minute, all those pictures of Jesus in my grandmother's home, that He was gorgeous with flowing hair and blue eyes? Jesus, i got news for you, He wasn't a GQ model. People wouldn't have taken much notice to His appearance. It says it right here in Scripture. The kids struggled with that a little bit. I said He wasn't gorgeous. I said, and I, but they all came to the right conclusion. What was the point of Him coming? Why was His appearance, his, his appearance not as important? It's because who He was is, is God the Son. And what a great lesson to American culture, where everything, our eyes are bombarded. There's advertising companies that work on the, the pixelation of, of videos and TVs and, and ads and billboards. I don't know how people don't crash when they're on these major highways. It's just built, And they, they scroll, like you're supposed to be driving, and, oh, look, the next frame, <laughs> bam! You know what I'm saying? Oh, officer, I was looking at the, yeah, okay. Give me your license, registration, insurance. So, But this is, this is American culture. We're bombarded with our senses, our eyes, our ears, our sense of touch, right? Taste, even. What they can do with foods today. Usually the ones that taste the greatest are the most addicting and probably not really great for you. So this is powerful stuff. But Jesus he came and it i think him being what people would perceive as gorgeous would be a distraction to his message but you know what bartimaeus wasn't distracted by his message some in the crowd were verse 42 through 43 last two verses and it says and jesus said to him receive your sight your faith has made you well And immediately, he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Four out of four. Spiritual sight and salvation. Now remember, his faith wasn't in faith. We hear a teaching like that today. You you can increase your faith as if you're creating your own faith. Your faith, the object of your faith, has to be in the Lord. That's the only thing that makes any sense. Otherwise, you're believing in yourself, and you're not believing in the Lord. So, I have two questions for you this morning. Number one, do you truly see Jesus for who He is? And number two is, now what do you want Him to do for you? After this miracle, and this has happened before, right? The ten lepers, nine took off, went back to their lives. Only one came back to thank Jesus and um, probably looking to follow Him. He says, weren't there ten of you? What happened to the other nine? (laughs) So, then they went back to life. Business as usual. But Jesus heals them and they follow Him and they glorify God, which was greater than having their sight healed. Every once in a while I look up tradition, church tradition, which I don't put it on par with sacred scripture. But church tradition, in this instance, it's been recorded that Bartimaeus uh, followed Jesus to the, to, you know, and he was instrumental in starting the early church the appreciation he had. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes we can be guilty of praying for something and God grants it. Then we go back to our lives. You know what I'm saying? It's like, where's the appreciation? We need to stay close to Christ. If you say, I want Jesus to heal me or I want Jesus to save my marriage, those are good things. But they should lead to following Christ permanently. Right? Right? Bartimaeus trusted in Jesus, think about this, prior to the healing. Son of David, have mercy on me, Lord. Jesus didn't touch him yet. Jesus didn't speak to him yet. Jesus didn't do anything. But Bartimaeus knew, intuitively, spiritually, who Jesus was. What a lesson for the crowd. How many formerly disabled people, spiritually, physically, emotionally, we're literal followers of Jesus. Hundreds, thousands, we don't know. But I will tell you this, I am one of those spiritually blinded people that when I receive my spiritual sight, I've never left His side. Where am I going to go? That's what Peter said. Even when Jesus in John 6 said some hard things, some of Jesus' followers left. This actually says many. They didn't like the words. Oh, this is, this is a tough saying. Jesus turns to the disciples, are you going to leave too? Peter says, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. Where are we going to go? How do you know the truth and taste of the good fruit of Jesus Christ, and then walk away for something else? How does that happen? To me, I find it very interesting. When uh, some, it, I, sometimes it's almost a Hollywood sort of culture with some of these famous uh, Christian, some preachers, some authors, some, and I've named names. It's been in the news, uh, you know, music people, and they say, ah. Oh, I have an announcement I'm not following Jesus anymore so me as the investigator I'm like I, I gotta do some research <laughs> what's going on in this person's life what happened a few months ago and I usually can come up with some I can deduce some sort of conclusion that it's not if you truly following the Lord what can shake you from that belief tribulation Jesus told us we would have those things so I would just say that if you're still resistant how long Will you let your spiritual blindness keep you from eternity? John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. I'll leave you with one last scripture. In Mark 10, the understanding is that John Mark, with the help of Peter, young man, wrote this, and, and I love his perspective. John adds a nuance, Mark 10:49, John Mark that the crowd replies to the blind man. So the blind man's calling out. You can't stop this man. Jesus stops, take notice, and says, bring him to me. So it says the crowd replies to the blind man, probably with a smile. They said, be of good cheer. Rise. He calls you. Wow. Rise. The Lord has taken notice of you. Right? The Lord called them with His voice. In John 10, it says he's the good shepherd. The sheep know his voice. He knows the sound of his sheep bleating. And he also responds with the voice of the Lord to command, rise, bring him to me. So Jesus calls us to spiritual sight and salvation. And some of you might say, and people do this, well, I'm holding out for a miracle. You know how many American churches have stopped preaching the Word of God? many churches in New Jersey have stopped preaching the Word of God? How many have closed during COVID? If you're here and you're hearing a message that's speaking to you, you're looking for a miracle, let's do the odds on that one. I took statistics and probabilities at Rutgers. you got a better chance of getting struck by lightning. So I'm just saying, you're here. You're seeking. You're interested. Right? We're going to look at uh, Zacchaeus next Sunday. He had an, a curiosity, get saved at the end. And here it is. I didn't write this. I don't make this. I'm just, following, I'm just following Sunday to Sunday. Where are we next? If this is speaking to your situation, it is a miracle. You don't have to hear Jesus' audible voice. He's calling you through the Word of God. Right? Romans 10.17, it tells us that. So, I would just say, be like Bartimaeus. You see all these memes. Be like this person. Be like Bartimaeus. He called out to the Lord. The Lord knew His name. He heard the bleeding of His sheep. He knew He would be one of His. He calls back, Rise, come to Me. And Bartimaeus could have sat there. But he got up and he went to Jesus. Not only was he healed, but he was saved that day. Amen?